Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 364, and today we'll be talking about Tomorrow's Bananas from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. I, lo- I love titles with double meanings. Is it Tomorrow's Bananas or Tomorrow's Bananas? I did not catch the double entendre. That is excellent. And it is both. Uh, this is a actually great note, because that is kind of how this episode operates, where it's one of the more philosophic, but kind of a simple philosophy presented. And I enjoy that very much. I also like that the vessel through which we get the lesson is Susie, who really needs to have this, <laughs> to have this moment to show us that, yes, maybe her centuries of being alive have granted her with certain bits of wisdom, which can not only help her, you know, with training new young witches, but also maybe that kind of wisdom will help her be able to take on the challenges that await her with facing whatever wonderful things come up next for her and Ramona. We'll see. Yeah, I I, I would assume that anytime she goes to read Pharaoh, it's over something Ramona related, like, you know, will when will we finally be able to be together again? And there, I think there is an undercurrent of that here, right? I think I was thinking that too, that yeah, Susie has a pretty strong reason to be constantly thinking about the future, but the fact that she's already reached this conclusion, that it's kind of needless to do because it's overwhelmingly stressful and anxiety-inducing, is really mature of her. Then again, the way that the Pharisees actually operate also promotes the philosophy, right? Like, they are truly showing you every possibility, which is much worse than, like, Garnet's future vision, where at least she seemed to be able to focus on more distinctly possible yeah, possibilities. Like, yeah, likely events. <laughs> like, what, what What are the odds that, you know, Hedgehog ends up going full carry on everybody? Um, <laughs> I would say statistically unlikely, but I did like Oscar proclaiming himself to be a bit of a bad boy uh, when he first showed up <laughs> with the two bananas. Oscar, I you know, it, luckily he was able to prove himself a little better than this, you know, more than halfway through the episode. But starting off, I was like, man, Oscar does not need to be around bad types of people because Oscar will just do anything for you if he loves you. And he loves Hedgehog and he wants to do anything for her, including completely blocking any knowledge of why she's doing what she's doing and standing in a corner and acting as she's needed, even with like a ridiculous amount of joyfulness as he just turns around to the corner and he's like, yes, <laughs> to yeah, do no follow up questions. <laughs> So, uh, you know, being completely obedient is not a good thing. And luckily, Oscar also showed a little bit of maturity, even though he was still clumsy and hilariously childlike this round. But, uh, you know, he does actually reach out and say, you know, Hedgehog, I'm not going to keep doing this. What is going on? You got to talk to me, which is great for our beautifully little empathetic baby. So love him. Um, I I liked him telling Petunia that, you know, uh, new friends and all that. And I liked the banner up there that says checkers is a real sport. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a great replacement for the detention poster, which uh, just said reading quietly counts as partying. <laughs> very grim. I would understand why Oscar would become a bad boy in such a horrible alternate timeline. Yeah, but Oscar uh, definitely had that one friend in the desk next to him checking him out. Uh... Definitely was making note of that. Uh, his bad boy outfit Some, uh, and his checkers. Competition outfit. for Lucy, perhaps? Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
Yeah, no Lucy in sight in the chess club or detention. Got better places to be. But yeah, I don't. I, I hate that seeing these visions of the future also make me think about like, well, what is possible? Because I'm very wired with like, you know, oh, alternate farm worlds, right? For Adventure Time, seeing Farm World <laughs> Finn, those types of episodes in Adventure Time gave us insight into what actually happened in their world, right? And so I look at something like hedgehogs. I mean. These visions... These episodes are a lot less relevant to the lore, I think. It should be. Victorian of detention? There was... uh, Yeah, no, all of them were silly, except for Hedgehog's Ice King-like descent into madness with magic had a weird feel to it. That vision specifically felt like something that we might return to Hmm. if magic is some overwhelming thing. Although that doesn't Intriguing. make too much sense. It makes much more sense in Adventure Time type of lore. In fact, that's how yeah. magic kind of operates in their world. Versus all of our witches seem to be just fine. Yeah, I'm not sure how accurate that is. I mean, she was even wearing the prom valedictorian sash, which doesn't make much sense to me. And, you know, for all of for all of Susie's, you know, pontificating about, ooh, Mildred, Mildred, Mildred. Even Ramona's like, oh, and stop banging on about Mildred. And then, of course, you know, I have my theory that Mildred is doing just fine now. Thank mm, you very much. Mm. But very, very uplifting, if true. Yeah, I mean, so there's definitely the possibility. But yes, probably no need to worry about any of these futures, because that's kind of the literal point of the episode. <laughs> but still. I mean, it would be more thematically appropriate if they were all realistic but different futures, but they, they I think they chose to drive home how futile the Pharaoh readings are by making the futures obviously silly. Right. But, you know, be, before we recorded, we were discussing Invader Zim, and I think any fan of Invader Zim can uh, realize that there is one Invader Zim episode in particular that this really reminded me of. And Bad Bad Rubber Piggy, Zim <laughs> attempts to change the future... By way of rubber piggies, and just nothing but rubber piggies. And in this episode, the one tool that Hedgehog is attempting to use to change the future is day-old bananas. That's so true. Oh my gosh. That is why it feels so familiar, because it is this arbitrary thing. And while I would say Hedgehog is absolutely being driven to madness, and it is hilarious how she uses them. It is very different from the bad piggies, though, because Zim was very targeted. Well, okay, maybe I take that back. He actually was basically throwing them around arbitrarily into the past, but they sure did disrupt Dib's life in a very concrete and horrible way. Whereas (laughs) the bananas did not actually have any effect, and it was funny to see just how ridiculous she got with um, the belief that in the specific things, eating them, wearing them as shoes, putting them in a pentagram, you know... (laughs) I will, though, note that structurally, the episodes with their visions of the future are very similar in that both end with a scary display of power from the target of the piggies and bananas. So, I don't know, there might be something to this. That's a good point. They become something completely different. You know, Dib with his Mega Boy 3000. I wonder if there's just something that is narratively natural about that. Well, you need a you need a big finish for the for the futures. So, I mean, even if they weren't aware of bad bad rubber piggy, you might still end up with something like that. Yeah, yeah, because I would say it's not too much of a relationship, especially since you know the bananas are also just Hedgehog trying to shape her own future versus Zim is trying to delete <laughs> someone else's future. 
Should have sent in Matt Hardy. He could have done the job. <laughs> um, completely unrelated to this now. Uh, you know, they keep <laughs> using Wallace Shawn, and I love him so much. He plays the strange crustacean yes. who we find out is named Pete. And they really pick him in the perfect roles, being this weird crustacean that lives in a corner under what looks almost like a a book or not a book drawer like bread drawer in the bookshelves that you crawl through <laughs> you know that's great and i really love that at first he seems like this little interesting knowledgeable guy but then susie's like yeah that guy sucks he helped me move and now he, he spied on me and wrote everything down about my house and sends people to come to my place uh which is great because susie's actually kind of right and she had much better advice yeah uh well i mean She's the one who uses Pharaoh all the time. He's the one who had to look them up in a book, so. Yeah. And he was right. You should just dispose of them. So, he gave the correct advice in the end. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's completely in the wrong. I mean, Susie's very likely to get annoyed by some types of people, so, you know, her assessment's probably not completely right, but. We'll find that out at the end of the season, how easily annoyed she can be. (laughs) But... Yeah, yeah, other than the sending random people into her house to use her stuff. (laughs) Do you think Hedgehog benefited from her little adventure with the Pharaoh? Well, I guess she didn't start off nervous about the future, except that obviously when presented with the ability to, you know, what glance into what she thought was a concrete future, you know, clearly there was a latent desire there. And now this helps her be less anxious about it. So I would say that at least it was revealed to us that Hedgehog is probably thinking a lot more about the future than someone like Oscar is. Like, Oscar finding these furrow seeds? I don't really know how he would react to it. But Hedgehog is someone who's future planning more, right? Like, does care about things like being the valedictorian, etc. It was the Halloween episode where, you know, Hedgehog has her little plan on, oh, I'm gonna... You know, get my wand at this age, I'm gonna be a witch by this age. She has it all figured out. She has her whole future set. Kind of like, uh, Bernard, and I can never remember her name because she's a cardboard cutout of a character, but her girlfriend, um, <laughs> she has their whole future to college mapped out. Right. She even has them in color-coded paths. Well, see, that's a little bit of character for <laughs> that, uh, you know, Craig of the Creek character. And all I'm imagining is uh, him with the hairdryer and doing the Titanic. <laughs> but, I mean, I think any person would, you know, if given... I mean, we live in a culture that is steeped in the you-don't-want-to-know-the-future, you know, kind of morals. We all we all know at least one little, you know, fairy tale with that moral. Don't Don't look into the future, it's bad. But, you know, given the choice, we all totally would. Oh, absolutely. It's funny, though, because, you know, you saying that now, I'm thinking, why is that such a popular category of story? Because, of course, we never have the ability to see the future, so why are we being warned about it constantly? And I think that Tomorrow's Bananas actually gives me insight into why we tell these types of stories, because we actually kind of verbally analyze it a bit. We, you know, Susie directly says why thinking about the future isn't great, and the thing is, yeah, it's pharaoh seeds, but that more directly maps to our lives, like thinking about, you know, endless possibilities for how things can turn out is an exercise that is probably mostly damaging to us. And while it's probably good to be somewhat a planner, you know, to not just completely live 
uh, without a plan. <laughs> uh, although, you know, maybe Oscar's getting away with it so far every day. But uh, <laughs> it might it might be, you know, there's some kind of healthy balance. But uh, it's interesting because I like that this episode actually gave us the lesson. You know, sometimes subtlety is good. But I guess I'm realizing now that maybe there's a lot of stories about being worried about the future that perhaps I didn't uh, connect with this thoroughly because, you know, they didn't write the through line for me. <laughs> so I appreciate it, Susie. Well, I can imagine that telling people don't worry about the future, just take things as they come might be part of the reason for some of these morals. I think that the stories I'm thinking of are much more of a don't tamper with forces you don't understand well, yeah. kind of a thing. A very, very anti-witchcraft uh, culture, actually. I don't think they would be too pleased with Hedgehog's apprenticeship or Susie's mastership. Now, see, that's funny because that's kind of the other fun thing about Summer Camp Island is there's absolutely no concern about the actual use of magic, right? Like, that's so frequently an important point of at least, like, the stories I'm aware of, like, in American culture. Like, yeah, you know, don't mess with these forces. Don't, you know, play God. Even if it's, like, not magic, it's, like, you know, a Jurassic Park type situation. Like, don't do the things that shouldn't be done. The price of magic and the unintended effects of magic are also very common stories, and we see uh, nothing really on the price and very little on the unintended consequences, except for, you know, like that Halloween episode, as I mentioned. Right. Thank goodness somebody was cosplaying as a witch that day, right? It is It is funny because the heritage of Summer Camp Island is Adventure Time. And it's such a different take. And I really do love how Adventure Time does it. I don't think it's, you know, too cliche in that magic causes madness. It's actually kind of a unique spin because this is not either the world of like Harry Potter either. Like, yeah, there's some, you know, disturbed (laughs) magical people in that series. But anyway, Summer Camp Island is just so sweet in how it's integrated. And it's not quite that, oh, witches are a natural force in the world. You know, sometimes they lean into it, but they don't always have a perfect relationship with nature. But it's merely, like, without having to highlight that, like, oh, yeah, it just depends on how you use it. You know, they're just like, yeah, it's another quality of people that can exist. And that's perfectly good, (laughs) you know. But obviously, it does sometimes land you in bad situations. I don't know um, if Susie particularly enjoys, again, her (laughs) current situation with Ramona being locked away. It's kind of those weird arbitrary rules of magic these destinies and prophecies right that sort of get in the way and you're like why did these have to come along with magic and the the whole prophecy thing is still uh it just seems to me that they they don't have to be doing most of the stuff they're doing but i guess more shall be revealed yeah now a thing that interested me about all of these features that we saw you'll note that they take place away from the island, and mm, I mean, uh, you know, that's a good point. I, I love talking about Oscar's glowworm nature. He was living it in that uh, Checkers Club me- meeting with Petunia there. But other than that, their magical nature has really only came into play in that one future, and that one was the doozy. So again, the seeds do represent all possible futures, which I guess could be futures that no longer have them on the island, but it does seem a little strange that it seems like the assumed future in general involves the kids going away from the island, which, since the purpose of the island is to train them and bring out their magic, like, I I guess they're not supposed to lock them away from the world forever and make them stuck on this island, but, like, 
I don't know. It is weird. Are, are, is, does this summer really end and then they're just all around? I think that has always been part of the vision because even in season one, in the Midnight Quittance episode, we're getting flashes of the future. And it looks like Oscar, Hedgehog, Lucy, they all live in what looks like to be an ordinary 60s era town or something. Just what, whatever era, the car makes me think 60s. Right, right. So. But just an ordinary place. I mean, I think that if the goal is to kind of, you know, oh, spread magic back around the world, then we have to leave the island. But does that mean that the important things are resolved? Like, do we actually fix the problem that caused magic to recede? Because I guess that was the introduction of technology and a changing of society. So is what we're going to decide that we have to reintegrate in order to make that happen? Um, Because at the same time, it seems like the creatures need to actually be on the island in order for them to not fade away into obscurity. I don't know. Like, and obviously none of these kids had powers or realizations about them without being on the island. The aliens never had any trouble being away from the island, and we know that they're magical creatures, so... <laughs> right, they're weirdly magic. Like, what? <laughs> the fact that they are aliens apparently is their magical quality. <laughs> I don't know what else. Yep. I mean, eh, I don't know. Maybe there's something that hasn't been explained to us yet. Like, I mean, the ghosts, as far as the ghosts are concerned, they're just themselves. They operate on a different set of physical laws, but they can't really change anything. (laughs) It's just like, you if you were intangible. Right, and they're also, I think they are dead people, right? Like, I would have said before that they weren't, and they were more like Danny Phantom ghosts, which very frequently feel like they just also existed a separate dimension that happened to be called ghosts, but aren't quite culturally connected to ours. But we know that at least one ghost was the ghost of a log. So, a dead, mossy, swampy <laughs> a log. soggy old log. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, I don't know what's magical about aliens. And I don't know what's magical about ghosts, except they are ghosts and everyone can potentially become a ghost. But, um, yeah, the future of Summer Camp Island, I don't... I hate that that's the... Um, ending of the series probably whenever we get to a natural conclusion for the show it's not going to be well into the kids living away from the island again and i don't think it will be where we've resolved the issue entirely either i i I don't know i kind of want to watch other shows about camps and see how they end like did camp laszlo ever have a true conclusion it's so sad to leave a camp they had that weird conclusion where heifer showed up and said that lumpus was an imposter who like locked him up somewhere it was a very weird one (laughs) that is weird what the hell (laughs) i need to go back and see that that's such a bad twist (laughs) yeah and not not my not my choice of an ending, but no. as for Summer Camp Island, um, you know, it'll probably end as all summer camps must with everyone going on home. This is a long summer, but... It's a Phineas and Ferb summer. Yeah, I think they have to go back out into the world, uh, spread the magic around, and uh, maybe, since they all seem to be from a relatively concentrated area, maybe we could have a continuation series called something other than Summer Camp Island. If they have anything interesting to show us. Ooh, there you go. Have it be like, you could do more of an adult swim type thing, except like actually mature, not like, not like Mr. Pickles. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We, we, we don't know what the future holds, but these are interesting visions.
Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Tomorrow's Bananas. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.